Well, howdy, South Youth. Howdy, <laughs> I'm not going to say who, but somebody told me I needed to do that. <laughs> if you don't know me, I'm Aaron, and it was my joy to pastor here for 16 years. It was almost 18 years ago we moved here, y'all. And for the last 17 months, I've been in the role with your local association of churches, but we'll get there a little bit more in a moment. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 1. John 1, 42 is where we're going to begin today. Then you've got text in Matthew, another one in John, and another one in Acts. We're going to move through pretty quickly. And uh, we're following Jesus. If you uh, have been here for a while, a long while, you would know that back in September of 2007, I started what I called an occasional sermon series, Following Jesus, a Harmony of the Gospel Approach. 198 sermons later in 2020, 13 years, averaging a little more than 15 sermons a year, we finished Following Jesus. So three months ago, when Pastor Nathan asked me to preach today, I was like, oh, God, what am I going to preach about at Southview? And I mean, so, you know, I would pray about it. I would think about it as I'm doing my devotionals. I'd be like, Lord, is that a text I'm supposed to use at Southview? And about a month ago, I was thinking about Peter and his life and the ups and downs. And I said, that's it. And the Holy Spirit said, there you go, boy. Then I'm like, well, what am I going to call this thing? Because I want to start following Peter from here to here to here to here to here. I'm going to call it following Jesus with Peter. So there's where you go. The uh, uh, origin story. We got another slide for you, though. And that's what I do now. Um, I serve our Heartland Church Network, which is our local association of Southern Baptist churches. We've got 65 churches from Grand Island to the South Dakota line to the Kansas line, and six of them over in Iowa. My furthest church away is three and a half hours away from here, Quimby, Iowa. So in the last 17 months in that role, I've put 45,000 miles on my car and 30 pounds on my body. <laughs> we exist to start, connect, and support churches. That's what I do. I mean, it's such a cool thing to get to work with pastors, to get to work with church leaders, and to go to churches of all different types. So far, I've visited 45 different churches. You're like, why hadn't you got to all 65? Well, I've been invited back, and one Sunday a month, I try to worship here with you, my church family. But what I tell people is my job is to serve churches, and it is a privilege to be your missionary to serve churches. We're about to hit 70 churches, too. We've got First Baptist Church Tecama is leaving the American Baptist because, as they said, the American Baptist left us and going to affiliate with us. We've got a Hispanic church in Omaha that's going to affiliate with us. And then even Country Bible Church down in Bennett, after 40 years as an independent church, is affiliating with us because they'll still be an independent church just cooperating with us as Southern Baptists. Got two new church plants, one in our building in Omaha, Amago Day Church, launches in, uh, what, three weeks? weeks. And then another one, Country Bible and Bennett and Sower Church on North 27th are going together to plant a church in Hickman called Redemption Hill Bible Church that launches the first Sunday in October. This is some pretty cool stuff, what God is doing and I get to be a part of. We've got one in Yankton, South Dakota. That'll be our first South Dakota church. And then one in Plainview, which Nebraska, which is, does anybody know where Plainview, Nebraska is? Hey, all right, there you go. A few of you. That's almost South Dakota that we'll be uh, launching in this next year as well. Let's go to that next slide, because if you want to keep up with what Heartland Church Network is doing, because we are your local association of Southern Baptists, now I'm looking and nobody's holding up their cell phone. 
So you can scan the lovely QR code and that'll take you to our link tree that has, you know, if you want to subscribe to our email, our Instagram, our Facebook. Becky, I thought you were going to. Oh, man. All right, next slide, Jonathan. They don't, or Seth, excuse me. They don't care about this one. Three weeks from today, I hope you will join us. We, once a year, do this leadership conference. And there's lots of leadership conferences you could go to, but we want to do one where laypersons that aren't full-time pastors, like I have the privilege of being, can come to and get equipped. So our keynote is going to be on relational discipleship. And Keith Strasberger, the guy that is doing that for us on this Sunday afternoon conference at my building over in Omaha. We'll be preaching here at Southview this morning. The relational discipleship is what Southview has tried to do with our home groups, and Pastor David has led us in. But then notice these breakout sessions. This first one here, how do I ask better questions? I wonder who I know who asks good questions. Pastor David. Pastor David's leaving that one. We got another one on the basics of church security. Dick Clark's leading that. And the other eight are not led by Southview people, but they're still good for- Oh, wait. (laughs) Thriving as a pastor's wife will be... (laughs) Especially when your husband, the pastor, forgets about you. (laughs) Will be co-led by Melanie Householder and Julie Shields. So uh, any of you pastor's wives can come hear my wife talk about me and how I forget her. But join us, and you'll get to see a little bit more about what I do, the building that we own in Omaha, which is the building that was the first church plant from Southview way back in 1958. Um, And my office is in that building now, so it's kind of cool. And then our next slide is Israel. Uh, If you've ever wanted to go to Israel, we want you to come with us. Melanie and I had the privilege of going with a group of other pastors and their wives this past January. We're taking a trip next October 28th through November 6th, so the weather's not too hot, not too rainy, anything like that. And uh, you can scan that QR code or go to my website or just talk to us to find out about that trip. We would love to have some folks with us from Southview um, because you're family. So let's get to that sermon now. Enough with the commercials. We got that other slide about the title. And what we want to talk about today is following Jesus. And we're going to follow Jesus with Peter. We've, we've got to guard against two ideas here as we go this direction this morning. One is that folks in the Bible were perfect and they didn't have problems like we have problems. They didn't sin like we sin. And we have to guard against the idea that everything in the Bible was easy because, you know, it's the Bible and God did it. So therefore, it must work just the right way. Now, those of you that have studied the Bible some and have been thoughtful in your study are like, oh, yeah, man, Pastor, and those folks were messed up, man. And then you think about all the other terrible things that happened in the Bible from wars to famines to, yeah. So the people, both in and now, struggle with life and struggle with sin. Times weren't easier then. And here's my hope today. My hope today, as every time I preach, is that we will not only learn with our minds, but we'll be encouraged with our hearts. And that we'll be strengthened in our faith because we're going to go, hey, wait a second. If Peter was a real dude and Peter struggled with this sort of stuff, I'm a real person. I struggle with this kind of stuff. What did Peter learn and how did Peter walk with Jesus and what can I learn and how can I walk with Jesus? And that's where we're seeking to end up today. That we would be encouraged by the reality of God's grace. That we would be strengthened 
by the knowledge of his mercy, that we would be empowered by God's love. Because his forgiveness in our failure, his forgiveness in our sin, is using us even when we are flawed. Yeah. So we're going to look at seven different passages of Peter. Six of them directly with Peter and Jesus. One about Peter and Jesus. And you could do your own study because obviously there's a whole lot about Peter. I mean, if you've got a Bible with a concordance in it, just look Peter and just read every scripture or something like that. But we're going to look at these seven because they're meaningful and they follow the thread I want us to thread that, uh, that follow that would be encouraging for us. Before we get there, let me pray for us too. God, our Father, we come before you and we're opening your word. And we, as always, pray that you open our understanding, that we would hear from your Holy Spirit what you desire us to hear today in order that we might become who you've envisioned that we can become. So, God, we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So let's go. Point number one on your outline, John 142, is Jesus changes my future. Jesus changes my future. This one, I will never get over this scripture. Presumptively, the very first time Jesus meets Peter face to face. And I mean, yes, it's Jesus. And yes, he is fully man, but he's fully God. And he walks with God in such a way that God speaks to him in a way that most of us don't experience. John chapter 1, verse 40. Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, was one of the two who had heard John what John had said and followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, We found the Messiah, that is the Christ. John 1, 42. And he, Andrew, brought him, Simon, to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter or the rock. You are, you will be. You're Simon, son of John. You're you're a fisherman. You got the kind of hands of a guy that works outside that are rough and thick. And you got maybe a tanned Red neck and muscled up arms. You're a self-made guy. But you also sometimes are a little irrational. Sometimes a little bit of a hothead. Sometimes you get angry because you're passionate and you see things as this way or that way. You can be a train wreck sometimes, Simon. You can be a failure sometimes, Simon. But you will be the rock. The rock upon which Jesus says later, I will build my church. You will be an apostle. You will be a disciple. You will be a follower. You will be a preacher. You will be a leader. Folks will be blown away by your very presence. People will want to touch the hem of your garment, Simon. You're going to do things that you won't even believe. Jesus changes my future. What is it about your future 
I remember when we were a child and somewhere in our toddler years, we maybe have our first memories and then in school and then as we go through school and those of us that are out of school now, it took me forever, but I finally got out. If you're around, you know, I mean, it took me like, yeah, I was in like grade 47 or something like that by the time I graduated. And we look back at our lives and we see it along a continuum of time. And we can look forward and imagine some things that we hope to happen, some landmarks. Kids going to graduate, get the house paid off, retire, maybe get to travel here, get to do that. But we don't know those things. The Bible even tells us we're foolish if we get too far ahead of ourselves in those things. But God, He sees things this way. He sees it all at one time because He's sovereign and He knows. And He says to Simon, You are Simon, but you will be Peter. So I'd ask you, who are you right now? Who is it that you are right now when no one's looking? When you know the things you're tempted with, when you know the sins you fall prey to, when you know the bad habits, when you know how you get angry or frustrated or hurt or anxious or fearful, and you know you better than anybody, and sometimes it makes you scared of you. Other times it makes you embarrassed about you or sad about you or mad at you. Why do I do that? That's so stupid. I know better than that. And the devil gets up in the middle of that because he's a liar and he tries to tempt you and bring you to shame. Remember, the Holy Spirit convicts you with guilt of your sin that you might confess, but the devil says, "Ah, oh, you're good for nothing. You know who you are, but remember, Jesus knows who you will be if you will walk with him. We're going to see that as we move forward here. Let's move to our second point and turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. So if you're in John, swing back to the left a few books. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. This is another one of these amazing historic encounters. In Matthew chapter 4, up in verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee and He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. So this wasn't the first time he had met them. We just saw this. He knows them, but they weren't like with him 24-7, 365 yet. Jesus was doing his thing. They were doing their thing. But Jesus comes upon them, I believe, on purpose. And they're casting their net into the lake for their fishermen. Verse 19. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. They were fishermen, but Jesus said you're going to be fishers of men. Your second point in your outline is Jesus calls me to mission. Jesus knows who I am. He knows how he's wired me. He knows what I do for a living, but he also knows he's got something more for me to do. That if I'm a school teacher, it's to be a school teacher who follows Jesus. If I'm a stay-at-home mom, it's supposed to be a stay-at-home mom who's on mission for Jesus. If I'm a fill-in-the-blank with whatever God's called you to do, you do. If you're a student because you're not yet grown up and got an adult and a you know, mortgage and bills and stuff. But Jesus has other plans for you. Who you are, but also who you will be. In a sense, all of us are called to the same mission. We're to make disciples, to win disciples, to share the gospel with others, to grow ourselves in the faith, but seek to grow others in the faith. But then all of us have a unique vision. God has created us differently. We have different mind, different experience, different personality, different spiritual gifts in order that we might serve him differently, that our gifts, our role, our past, God's calling, God's equipping, all those things come together for the way he wants us to be on mission for him. 
We're different. I mean, I, I think about looking around here and Miss Diana Lear, you've been teaching four-year-olds for how long? Decades. We'll just say it that way. I mean, some of the kids you taught as four-year-olds now have four-year-olds, right? Um, yeah. And I, I think about other people in this church who have been doing what they've done in this church and in their life for decades. And, and we're all wired different. We have different gifts. That's one of the things I love about this day of resurrection and our Easter pageant is everybody gets a job. And as you've heard me say before, some people get five jobs, right, Silvana? <laughs> but we all work together as a body of believers with our different gifts, our different talents, our different abilities on one thing to share the gospel with the people that would come to hear Jesus calls me to mission. He's given all of us a mission, so we'd have to ask the question, how is it that He has gifted you? How is it that He's equipped you, He's trained you, He's called you, and what are you doing about it? Are you using who you are in order to serve Him? Jesus calls me to Himself. And when I follow Him, I'm always going to go the right way. There's a life lesson there for you. You might want to write that one down, right? Jesus calls me to himself, and when I follow him, I'm always going to go the right way. There's never a doubt because he's never going to lead me into sin. He's never going to lead me out of God's will. So he changes my future first. He calls me to mission second. The third point on your outline, Jesus invites me to action. Jesus invites me to action, and that's over in Matthew chapter 14. So turn a few pages to your right. Jesus invites me to action. You know the story. Jesus had heard about his cousin John the Baptist being beheaded, and Jesus is in the midst of this busy season of ministry while he's got the emotions of his forerunner, the prophet that went before him, who's also his cousin who he loved, John the Baptist, having just been murdered in a brutal way. He's fed 5,000 people, but he has to get away. He's going to go up and spend some time alone. The disciples got into the boat and they went to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, verse 23, Matthew fourteen twenty-three, he went up on the mountainside, by himself to pray. He needed to get away. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves and the wind that was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, so early in the morning, while it's still dark, dark 30, my dad would call it, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, let me come to you on the water. Peter, bro, are you stupid? I mean, how's it going to work, Peter? You've seen Jesus do miracles. You know Jesus has powers, but... You're just a dude that's a fisherman. You might know how to swim in the water. You know how to pull fish up out of the water. You know, row a boat and sail a boat through the water. But walking on water, Peter, have you lost it, man? (laughs) Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down off of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. 
When I say Jesus invites me to action, I could have said Jesus invites me to faith, but I wanted to make sure we knew we're supposed to do something about it. It's not just, yes, I believe that, Jesus. I'll walk on water when you tell me to, but it's actually stepping out of the boat and walking on the water. It's doing what he calls us to do. Friends, we got saved, most of us in this place. We got filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're saved. We know he's gifted us, equipped us, and called us to some sort of mission in how we're supposed to serve him. And he's called us and we're like, I'm not so sure I'm going to step out of the boat, Jesus. Are you sure you can't just keep me somewhere in the boat where I'm safe and I can be on mission that way, Jesus? But Jesus is going, come on, get out of the boat. It's time for you to learn some real faith. It's time for you to put your money where your mouth is, proverbially. It's time for you to step out and see what I can do that you don't imagine. I've called you to a mission. I've equipped you for that mission. You've got to take action. You've got to do something about it. Go on there in John 14 or Matthew 14, excuse me. Verse 30, but when he, Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. I mean, Peter was walking on water until he wasn't. And then he's about to die because he's out in the middle of the stormy Sea of Galilee. And even though he's a stout dude, you know it must be bad if he's crying out to Jesus. That's the point where some of us stop. We may have taken the step of faith. and We may be walking on water figuratively in our life. We may be responding with actions of faith as God has called us to. And we're going, wow, this is amazing. God has taken care of me. I didn't believe I could do what God's called me to do. And then we look around and we see the circumstances and we get freaked out. And our flesh comes in and our flesh says, are you stupid? What are you doing? You know you're going to sink any minute. You know you're going to blow it. You know you're going to fall back in that sin. You know those habits you've struggled with all the time. They're right there and you're going to go back to them right now. And we sink. Jesus! We've got to call out to him that he'll rescue us. Jesus invites us to action and he knows that we're fallible. He knows we might sink. He's asked us to do the unbelievable. Verse 31, Jesus upbraids him. He says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And, and I don't know if Jesus was like mad at him for this. Frustrated by him. Or because it's that he wanted... Peter to know, bro, I had you. You weren't going to fall because you had faith and I had you. It's only when you lacked faith that you fell. But I still had you. As soon as you needed me, I rescued you. Friends, don't let your circumstances, don't let your failures, don't let the devil tempt you to realize you're anything less than God intends you to be. God has got this and he's got you. Let's move on. Matthew 16, 18 through 19, that Jesus foreshadows the unimaginable. Now, when you read this passage, you're going to be like, why'd you call it that, Pastor Aaron? Foreshadows the unimaginable? Well, well, let's read the passage and you'll see why, right? Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says, you know, 
Who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Dude, he nailed it. Even though Peter could sometimes get things wrong, he got this one absolutely right. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed of you, Simon, son of Jonah, but this was not revealed to you by man, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is saying, Peter, you thought all the miracles I did were amazing? You thought all the sermons I preached were amazing? You thought the way that I confronted the Pharisees and the Sadducees again and again was amazing? You thought the fact that you walked on water was amazing? Wait till you see what's coming next, buddy. Remember, Peter, I said, you are Simon, you will be Peter. Remember, Peter, I gave you a mission, I gave you gifts, I've given you training, I've given you experience. Here's who you are, and you are going to do things you cannot imagine. We know the rest of the story, right? We know what happens in the book of Acts, and we're going to go there before the end of the sermon unimaginable from the man that Peter was to the man that Peter would become. You are, you will be. What about you? Who is it that God's called you to be with all the hurts you've had, with all the failures you've had, with all the sins that you've struggled with that make you who you are in order that you might serve God like no one else? Jesus shadows that unimaginable in you right now. And I wonder, I wonder if one of you right now is going, oh, Lord Jesus, I've been struggling to say yes for this a while. I know you've called me to step out of the boat, to step out in faith. And right now I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like I should take that step out of the boat because I know you've called me to more than I am right now. And I know you've called me to greater faith than I'm exercising right now. And I know you've called me to do something that I've yet resisted until now. Jesus changes my future. He calls me to a mission. He invites me to action to demonstrate my faith. He shows me the unimaginable is ahead if I will only trust him. And the fifth thing on your outline, Jesus knows I'll fail. I mean, if you were to ask me which one of these points I'm most excited about, or maybe ask it a different way, which one of these I'm most humbled by, it's this one. God knows us, yet He loves us, and He calls us, and He equips us. And even though we sin, and even though we struggle, and even though we fail, correct that, because we sin, because we struggle, because we fail, He chooses to use us as broken vessels, humbled for his use, available to be molded as he wants to use us. Jesus knows I'll fail. Let's look at Matthew 26. I reference Matthew 26, 34, but if you start the account in verse 31, then Jesus told them this very night you'll fall away on account of me. Verse 32 
But after I've risen, go ahead to Galilee. Verse 33, Peter, always the bold one, even though he spent three years with Jesus at this time, even though he's seen and done miraculous things at this time, still has the great ability to put his foot in his mouth. Anybody join with Peter on that? I mean, I'm a good foot putter in my mouth. <laughs> Peter replied, Matthew 26, 33, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Verse 34, Jesus drops the hammer. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. All the other disciples said the same. You know the story. What happened? He denied him. Three times, just like. Just like Jesus said. Jesus knew Peter would fall. He knew he would fail. It, it wasn't just putting Miracle Whip on the sandwich instead of mayo. I mean, this wasn't even a failure like spilling paint on the new carpet. Um, this was denying he ever knew him. Denying he'd spent three years with him. Denying he'd called him friend and brother and master. And Lord, this was the man who changed his life. Yet when the going got tough, he said, I don't know him. Not once, not twice, but three times. Just like Jesus said. Friends, we could get mad at Peter. We could scold Peter. We could say, oh, look at that, Peter, he failed again. Ha, 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 ha. Pull out your phone and put it on selfie mode, friends. I mean, how many times are you going to fail and deny God's presence by your sinfulness and by your choices? Just today. We all do. We struggle with our sins. We struggle with those things. Jesus knows we'll fail, but guess what? He still loves us. He still has a plan for us. He still calls us on mission because He died to save us. He equipped us. He called us. I would say it to you this way, friends. Don't let Satan shame you with your failures. Don't let Satan shame you with your failures because Jesus loves you, Jesus forgives you, and Jesus has an unimaginable future for you. He doesn't call us to Himself for ourselves. He calls us to Himself for others. That we might serve Him by loving others. He changes my future. He calls me to mission. He invites me to action. He shows me the unimaginable. He knows I'll fail, but we're moving on here. The sixth point, Jesus reminds me of my calling. And that takes us back to the end of the Gospel of John. We started in John chapter 1. We're going to John chapter 21. We started in the beginning of the Gospel of John. We're going to the end of John, where Jesus reminds me of my calling. Jesus had been crucified, had rose again on the third day. As we find out in verse 14, he had appeared three other times to his disciples. But this verse 15... When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. 
Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Now, what our English translations don't capture is the difference in the Greek word for love. The first time when Jesus asked, he says, Simon, do you agape me? In Pastor Aaron Southview terms, do you otherish me? Do you love me in a God-powered way? And Simon Peter says, Jesus, I phileo you. I brotherly love you. The second time Jesus asked, he says, Simon, do you agape me? Peter replies again, Jesus, I phileo you. The third time Jesus says, Simon Peter, do you phileo, brotherly love me? Simon Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. That way. It's like Simon could not say yet. Excuse me. Peter could not say yet. I agape you, Jesus. I otherish you, Jesus. Otherish love is God powered. I can't do it on my own. It's other focused. It's about someone else and it's self-sacrificing. I'm not there yet, Jesus. And I'm not going to lie about it, Jesus, because even though I failed you in the past, Jesus, even though I've messed up miserably in the past, I'm not going to do it right now, Jesus, because you just died and rose again. And and I don't know who I am yet. And I hadn't got this all figured out yet, Jesus, but I'm not going to lie to you anymore. I cannot say I agape you. The best I got, Jesus, is I brotherly love you. But he was honest. It's as if. Jesus was saying to him, Peter, I told you, man, you are and you will be. And you're on the way, man. You were a fisherman, but now you are becoming a fisher of men. You've been with me three years. You've seen everything I've done. You have experienced all those things. And now I'm telling you, the thing that you didn't know I was calling you to, you're going to pastor thousands of people. You're going to feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep, tend my lambs. You got a new role and it's just around the corner, bro. Hang on. It's going to blow you away. When I need it, Jesus reminds me of my calling. And my calling is my identity in Christ. How many of you need it this morning that you need a reminder of who you're called to be, who he's created you to be, not who you think you are, but who Jesus knows you can become. So have you noticed a pattern, something I've been developing in this sermon? It's a bit of a walk through life. We didn't know Jesus as our Savior. We were lost, whether that was as a child, a teenager, an adult. We trusted Jesus as our Savior. And that's the beginning. You are, you will be. But immediately then he gives us the Holy Spirit. And along the way, as we walk the walk of sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus, we identify the gifts he's given us with the personality, the talents and abilities we have that as we mature and grow in age, we use those things more. Then we see that he's called us to mission. Then we know that we're going to fail him. Then we know that we're going to fall. But we also see that he calls us to something that was previously unimaginable for us. It might freak us out. We might want to take a few steps back. 
Jesus, I'm not sure I want to go over there yet. But friends, he's got a plan for all of us that will blow us away. And that's why at this point of the game, he needed to remind Peter of his calling. That's why I'm standing here today with you to remind you of your calling, that you are called to be like Christ, unlike you started, made new for him. Let's wrap this thing up in Acts chapter 4. You guys know I love this passage of Scripture as well. Acts chapter 2 has happened. Peter preached there. 3,000-something souls got saved. Amazing things are happening. The Sanhedrin, this very guys that conspired to put Jesus to death, Paul called Peter and John, the leaders of the disciples at that time, in front of them, and they presumptively have the power to kill Peter and John as well. Peter flat out lays it down, man. Look at verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Mic drop. Boom. He just came full circle. Here's where he was. He was a fisherman. He had all these issues and he spent time with Jesus. He got changed along the way. Yeah, he failed along the way. Yeah, he fell in the water along the way. Yeah, he denied Jesus along the way. is the same word used for miracles. When Jesus raised somebody from the dead or walked on water or anything crazy like that. That's astonished. These powerful men were floored by the power who had spent time with Jesus. Your final point on your outline is that Jesus becomes visible in me. Jesus becomes visible in me. That because I've spent time with Jesus, people see Jesus in me. You ever met somebody like that before? You don't know him from Adam, you know? And you just look at him and you kind of size him up and something about the way they act and then the way they talk. You're like, man, that person must be a believer in Jesus. Other people would get mad at that situation, would have another bad attitude about that situation. But this person's got something different about them. The way they think, the way they talk, the way they act. Jesus becomes visible. People see Him in us. That's the goal. I must decrease. He must increase. My goal in life is to become like Jesus through time with Jesus. My goal in life is to become like Jesus through time with Jesus. Not working hard, not having a big retirement, not having a nice house, not taking nice vacations. Those things aren't bad. But ultimately, to be like Jesus. So let's apply these things. Using Peter's relationship with Jesus as an example, I got three questions for you here. Where am I at with Jesus? Right now, where are you? If you look at the seven scriptures and the seven points of my sermon outline there, are you just at the beginning? Maybe you're before the beginning. Maybe somebody here today has never trusted Jesus as your Savior, whether you're a child, a teenager, or an adult. And today, you need to confess Jesus as your Savior and Lord and ask Him to save you from your sins, to change your life forever. Then you step into that, you are, you will be. Maybe you're saved, but you're like, I'm not sure that I'm called. I'm not sure what he's going to. And you need to ask Jesus to uh, illuminate for you how you're gifted, how he's called you, where he desires you to serve. One step after the other as we consider walking through that. Maybe you're at that point where you feel like he's asking you to walk on water, but something distracted you, something scared you, and you stopped. And you need to take the step of faith today. Maybe that's it. 
Maybe you failed and you're stuck because the devil's telling you, you ain't no good. You're just going to fail again. And you need to say, get behind me, Satan. I am following Jesus. And I'm going where he calls me to go and I'm going to do what he calls me to do. And you ain't nothing. Maybe you need a reminder of God's calling, his plan, his purpose for you today. Hey, if you didn't get it already, I just gave it to you. God loves you. Jesus died for you, and he has got amazing plans for you. Maybe today you're like, you know what? Somebody just last week told me, man, that was really cool how you did that. I don't know how you did that. And you went, that was Jesus in me. Maybe you're already like to step seven. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe you're still on the way. Let's look at that next question. And that's what's Jesus calling me to next? Yeah, this question had to follow the last one. Because, you know, whether it's step one through seven, there's somewhere else he wants you to go. Someone else he wants you to become. Your goal in life should be to be more like Jesus. So what's he calling you to? What step of faith? What action is he calling you to? That's between you and him. What is it you need to confess? Where do you need to repent and turn? What action, what step of faith do you need to take? And what are you going to do about it? Not tomorrow, but right now. Right now. Are you going to humble yourself and surrender? And your final question today, and I hope this is true. How have I been encouraged today? What did you hear in this sermon today that you went, Yes, I needed that. Or you went, man, I needed that. Or somewhere in the middle. That you've been encouraged by God's word. That he's called you unto himself. And he's called you to serve him. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, when we consider your word... We um, are humbled, but we are also inspired. Because God, you've called us to more than we can imagine. By your Holy Spirit and through your power, you've given us the ability beyond our expectation. And you've got things for us to do as individual believers, as in a church, that are going to blow us away. So God, our Father, whatever we need to confess, wherever we need to repent and turn, whatever step, action, faith we need to take today, we pray we would do it now. So Father, if there's anyone here that needs to trust Jesus as their Savior, I pray that as soon as we start singing, they come talk to me. Anyone else who needs to just symbolically come and kneel at this altar, they do that. Maybe they need to grab a friend or someone else by the hand and just go out in the hallway and talk and pray. Whatever we need to do to be who you've called us to be, would we do that right now? We ask in Jesus' name, amen.